0: This is an Equity Beats Media podcast.
1: I'll this about investing. Everything you do learn is humility. What I learned at 20 is you Equity. Can... Welcome
2: to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett's status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going?
3: <laughs> Very good, Bryce. How many N's on that, Ren? <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm excited for this episode. We've uh, got another industry deep dive. We're going to be deep diving on an industry that uh, neither of us really have Uh, a lot of lived experience with if uh, we follow Peter Lynch's idea of investing in what you know this is not an industry we'd be investing in you're closer to it than I am how well you're closer to having kids True. Oh, he's finally <laughs> well, I'm cl- I am closer. <laughs> uh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> so, today we're going to be talking about the IVF industry.
2: Fertility, yeah.
3: Uh, fertility. Um, in vitro fertilization is what IVF stands for. Um, it's been requested f- by a number of listeners, but we've kind of resisted because it's not something that we know a lot about, but we figured um, we would do our best. So we want to caveat that at the start, that um, this is definitely not a complete industry deep dive, um, but we're going to give it our best shot. Before we do housekeeping?
2: Yes, uh, we're excited to announce that we are going to be part of the inaugural podcast festival down in Melbourne. Uh, nice that Melbourne uh putting one on for podcasters around Australia. Uh, we will provide more details, but pencil in uh, a live show that we'll be doing in uh, Prahran? Pr- <laughs> P- Prahran? <laughs> uh, pra- Prahran? <laughs> I lived in Melbourne. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. The suburb down uh, down there, Pran. it is uh, the First of August, <laughs> Sunday, the first of August, around four pm. Um, yeah, we'll be providing more details. But Melbourne, we hear you. Uh, we're we're sick and tired of doing events just here in Sydney, so we are very excited to be coming down. Tickets will be limited. Uh, we will let you know about uh, how to buy them, where to buy them, the price, etc. In due course. But pencil in uh, Sunday, the first of August, four pm.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, we know it's a Sunday, so there will be beers people may not be able to stick around for too many beers afterwards but it would be great to see everyone it'd be great to have a beer with a few people bryce has given me the monday off so i'll be having a few beers (laughs) that's true (laughs) but yeah come out say hi um we'll announce more information about what we're going to do but yeah melbourne podcast festival get around it nice all
2: right well let's get stuck in so let's start with some establishing facts. There is no doubt that unfortunately um, it seems that it's becoming more and more difficult for couples to be having kids. Yep. Over in the States, the stats are that one in eight couples struggle to, to conceive. Unfortunately, here in Australia, the Fertility Society of Australia estimate that one in six couples... Um, of reproductive age suffer from infertility, yet only around 50% actually seek medical advice.
3: And I think, you know, we know anecdotally a lot of the reasons why that's happening. Um, people are getting married or forming partnerships later in life, um, trying to have kids later in life. People are working more, working longer, uh, prioritizing careers. There's also a number of lifestyle factors that are just leading to a lower fertility rate. Uh, I was actually looking at a stat. Uh, there's a graph that's stat, stat, Statia. Is that the website? Is stat- it Statista? Statista. That's, that yeah. sounds a lot better. <laughs> uh, they have the Australian fertility rate from 1800 to today. In 1800, the average couple had 6.7 kids and today it's
2: 1.8. Yeah. Well, as you said, many factors going into that. Yeah. But yeah, it is. Uh, it's interesting. So, a number of factors as well. Uh, globally, the, the quality of sperm is declining with one out of three men aged over 40 presenting with sperm fertility issues, and half have uh, failed in fertility cases, have more sperm as an important contributing... Poor sperm, <laughs> not more. <laughs> Poor sperm as an important contributing factor.
3: Yeah. So, um, according to the pharmaceutical company Merck, who have invested quite heavily in this industry... Um, uh, infertility like it has a range of causes one third uh, male issues one third of female issues and then the final third are a combination or unexplained so there's a number of contributing factors here but the long and the short of it is fertility rates are declining and medical science i guess is really trying to step up and solve some of these problems and help couples get pregnant And there's this whole industry that's been created around it, the fertility industry and in particular, IVF. And there are a number of listed companies that are now Mm. participating in that industry. And we're going to sort of break down what the industry is, what are the trends, and then talk about some of the companies that are trying to help couples solve this problem. Because there are some investing opportunities out there if it's an industry you're interested in.
2: Yeah, well, investors are starting to inject a large amount of cash into the industry. So let's start at the top and break down what IVF actually is. In vitro means in glass and in vitro fertilization is the process of fertilization where an egg is combined with sperm outside the body. So the first child was successfully born after her mother received IVF, and her name was Louise Brown in 1978. Yeah. Uh, In 2018, it was estimated that 8 million children worldwide have been born using IVF.
3: So just pause on that for a second. What's that, 40 years? Yeah. Have I done that maths right? No, about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 40 years from the very first child ever being born using IVF to 8 million children worldwide born using IVF. Like, it is an industry that has really come not out of nowhere, but it has is, it is grown incredibly quickly. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So, in some European countries, 2% of babies born are due to IVF, so that's about 1 in 50. If we move across to America, that number is 1 in 60, according to The Economist. And in 2017, Australia and New Zealand Assisted Reproduction Database found that one in 25 babies in Australia is born as a result of IVF and a total of 15,613 babies were born using this method in 2018. So,
3: yeah, it's Australia over indexes compared to Europe and America in terms of the number of children conceived with IVF. Here's a question for you, though. What's the number one country in the world? There's one country that over-indexes Australia that, that is meaningfully higher than any of those... In those terms numbers. of
2: babies born using IVF? Yeah,
3: babies as a percentage of total babies, babies born using IVF.
2: Um, Canada. No. I don't know why I guess Canada. <laughs> I
3: have no idea. Uh, Denmark, 1 in 10, 10% uh, of babies were born using IVF. Wow. Yeah. Well, are born using IVF.
2: Wow. IVF is just one form of assisted reproductive technology, however, but we're going to kind of be focusing on this from an industry point of view today.
3: Yeah. in, In terms of the investment opportunities, they're all sort of blended. Like if you're a fertility clinic, you're going to be exposed to IVF and the other treatments. So so that's sort of, I guess, a little bit about the history and where we're at. In 40 years, we've gone from the very first child being born to a meaningfully sized industry and a meaningful percentage of children being conceived using IVF. So if we get into some of the numbers, in Australia, one IVF cycle costs between $9,000 and $15,000. So it's not cheap. And success rates aren't as high as you'd hope they would be, sort of less than 50%. But I mean, look, for, for a lot of these people, it's, you know, for the people that are successful, it's it's generally success that wouldn't have come naturally. So, like, it is a pretty miraculous thing that science has been able to do. The, the person, the doctor that did the first IVF child won the Nobel Prize. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Really sad story. There were three doctors, a surgeon, a doctor and a nurse. The doctor won the Nobel Prize. The surgeon and the nurse had died. Oh. Um, and so because the Nobel Prize isn't awarded um, posthumous, sh- yeah, humors, no. uh, af- <laughs> after, after death, death. <laughs> <laughs> um, they didn't get it. But yeah, oh, no. yeah, like massive medical breakthrough that we're talking about here. And I think that's, that's pretty important when we start talking about like the industry and investing in it and companies. It's like just keep in the back of your mind that regardless of the financials. like It's pretty miraculous.
2: Absolutely. Well, speaking of industry, we're going to take a look at uh, the size and uh, a few other stats that are important from an investing point of view. But before we do, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsors.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
2: So, Ren, at an industry level, globally, we're looking at $14.2 billion in 2020. That's up uh, just shy of $2 billion in the last sort of two years. In 2018, it was worth $12.5 billion. One projection expects it to reach almost $34 billion. By 2028. So if I do the quick maths on that, that's a cost. Uh, that's a compound an- annual growth rate of six and a half percent over the next seven years. Yeah, you would you wouldn't shy away from that. You wouldn't. Um, a Second projection though has it at about thirty six and a half billion USD by 2026, and that is a compound growth rate of ten percent. So uh, varying growth rate projections here, but uh, nonetheless, it's an industry that uh, have some pretty strong growth behind it
3: yeah so that's globally and right now europe is the leader in terms of market share i guess well where most ivf happens that's that's as it is now but the asia pacific is expected to leapfrog europe and in the late 2020s be about half the market so right now the asia pacific region is worth about 7 billion and it's projected to be about 20 billion by 2029 so wow meaningful growth there I think, in some ways, that number is tied to expectations around health tourism. Yep. Um, and then in Australia, twenty eighteen, it was a seven hundred nine million dollar industry, and it's projected to be about a billion by twenty twenty six. So, compound annual growth rate of four and a half percent. I mean, there are there are faster growing industries, Absolutely. but it is <coughs> it is growing. I think. But I think what's interesting here is not so much the overall industry growth because that's tied to a number of population factors around um you know fertility rates people's desire to have babies stuff like that like you're not going to see a hockey stick exponential curve in some of those demographic questions that would really drive this industry but what's really interesting in this industry is what's happening within it like improvements in medical technology that are improving pregnancy rates and birth rates things that are making patients lives better better ways to separate sperm, eggs, all that stuff. And we're seeing a lot of venture capital money flow into the space as a result of people trying to make the industry better or improve technology. PitchBook, which looks at uh, venture capital investments, uh, recorded $178 million in VC, invested in fertility product businesses or fertility science businesses in 2017 alone. Yeah, wow. So a lot of venture capital money flowing into the space. So that's that's a notable trend to keep watching because there will likely be more companies than we talk about now listing or getting taken over by listed companies in the coming years. Mm.
2: So let's start to have a look at some of the trends that are unfolding in, and themes in the industry. We mentioned at the start that only sort of 50% of couples seek treatment and that I would assume most likely because of the price. Yeah. So, the first sort of theme that's unfolding is that there's a massive underserved market here. And uh, Money Magazine have suggested that as the industry consolidates, um, obviously economies of scale get stronger. And uh, as such, IVF becomes cheaper, which really means that there is potential to really increase the the penetration of IVF and, you know, double the the number of cycles that are performed in Australia each year. So, that's only a good thing.
3: Yeah. So, that's the world as it is now. There's 50% of couples that could be getting help that currently aren't. On top of that, there's expectations that the market, the total addressable market will grow over the coming years. Uh, as people wait longer to have kids the so we touched on the total fertility rate before and how it's dropped meaningfully you know i said from 1800 to now but even from 1960 to now 3.41 in 1960 to 1.83 in 2020 in australia so people are having less kids globally the same things happening although not as stark between 2008 and 2018 The global fertility rate dropped from 2.56 to 2.42 and it's expected to continue. So a lot of those, I guess, macro factors that are driving people to have kids later, no one expects them to abate. You know, the shift from a rural to urban society, increased participation in the labour force, postponement of marriage, lower marriage rates, all that stuff, um, people expect to continue. And the second order effect of that to be increased demand for IVF services.
2: Mm. Um, We're seeing increased insurance coverage in the industry, which is driving down prices as insurance companies negotiate and uh, increase the usage.
3: So the next next trend or, I guess, theme to keep an eye on is that there's a lot of companies that are developing new forms of genomic testing and, and companies really investing in that to give parents uh, more information and, and doctors more information and um, people expect that to continue to drive uptake in the market.
2: Um, so, Ren, as you already alluded to as well, that there's a bunch of private equity moving in. So, let's uh, have a look at some of the large players. Uh, a company over in the United States, a big private equity firm called Lee Equity Partners, brought into an Atlanta fertility clinic with plans to launch a $200 million network called Prelude Fertility. So sort of big money going in there. TA Associates, a global PE firm bought into the Colorado Center for Reproductive Medicine. Another private equity firm called MTS Health Investors over in New York, uh, again, created uh, Ovation Fertility Chain. Um, And then the Extended Fertility, which says it's the first practice in the US dedicated solely to freezing eggs, opened in Manhattan a year and a half ago. It's backed by New York private equity firm, North Peak Capital. So plenty of other examples, but it's clear that uh, there is now a lot of cash flowing into this space.
3: Yeah. If you take a step back, and I mean, we'll get to companies later, but what you'll find is that a lot of, especially in the US, not so much in Australia, and actually the US and Europe, a lot of these companies aren't publicly listed. It's not like you have big fertility conglomerates that roll up a whole bunch of fertility clinics and then list. Instead, it's a lot more private clinics or tied to hospitals and like other healthcare providers that are non-listed and private equity as they always do sniff out an opportunity and they're saying there's an opportunity to roll up a whole bunch of these clinics we expect the market to grow and we're going to try and get in there first and so you just rip through what four examples of private equity firms that are moving heavily into the sector but that's really the industry dynamic at the moment that it feels like it 's still early days in some respects for the industry, and so private equity see an opportunity to achieve economies of scale and, and really take a foothold in the industry
2: absolutely. Uh, And Ren, which this is a great one, we're continuing to see medical breakthroughs in the space. In June 2018, an Aussie scientist developed an artificial intelligence tool called IVY for the identification of an embryo with the best chance of pregnancy. Uh, And I mean, the only thing is that such technologies help to increase the success rate of IVF pregnancies.
3: Yeah, included this one just because we've got to celebrate Australian scientists. Yes. Um, Yeah, I don't think they get enough credit. You know, like we invented Wi-Fi. CSIRO. We CSIRO invented that membrane around uh, hydrogen. You know, we're doing stuff. We're just doing so much. And How many scientific
2: journals are you reading? They could be getting credit where credit's due.
3: Well, I don't think the scientific journals are where they should be getting credit. I think it should be front page of the Daily Telegraph.
2: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of things should be front page of the Daily Daily Telegraph.
3: (laughs) And then one more, I think... uh, Trend or theme to keep an eye on is that so we mentioned that insurance companies are embracing it more, um, insurer like company plans, insurance plans in the US are embracing this, but companies like Google, Apple, Facebook are now offering like uh benefits to their employees, like freeze their eggs, freeze their sperm, stuff like that. So, I mean, cynically, you could say that (laughs) it's because these companies want men and women to work, work longer. longer and yeah. not drop out of the workforce to have kids. And I think there would be a lot of truth to that cynicism. Uh, allegedly, reportedly, my own opinion. But it is also it is good that they are offering these benefits to, to couples that want them. It's better than just creating an expectation that you work and then people finding out they're too late. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So before we rip into some of the risks as well as companies and key players in the industry and how you might be able to invest. We'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. So, with all investments, Ren, we need to talk about the risks.
3: Yeah. And I think that's particularly relevant for the IVF industry or the fertility industry because, you know, we've spoken about how it's this medical breakthrough. We've spoken about how it's grown and now it's a meaningful percentage of pregnancies and babies born across, you know, most continents, especially the major like Western countries. We've spoken about how there are all these trends and, you know, continued medical breakthroughs. Uh, that seem to indicate that the industry will grow but none of that means it will be a good investment And and I think it's really important to stress there's a big question with all of this around is this industry scalable, is this treatment scalable, is this industry investable because when you start to have fertility clinics at scale and when you start to operate them like a private equity run business where you're just optimising for cash flow, you start to have some pretty adverse outcomes. So the ABC in Australia did a big report on the IVF industry and they were speaking about how patients felt like they were just a number and that they weren't given great care and that a lot of them had to go to independent clinics or like different clinics to actually get underlying reasons for infertility actually identified and diagnosed and treated. So, this is, for me, it's just a really important caveat for this industry, but also for a lot of industries. Like, there can be great industries, they can be doing amazing things, they can be helping a lot of people, there can be money in the industry, but it may not make sense to invest yeah. in, like, a scaled, listed business that's operating in that industry. And for me, that is a big question here. Like, do does the biggest player win in this industry?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't tell you the answer to that.
3: Well, no one can.
2: Yeah. So, let's take a look at some of the companies and key players. We'll start domestically and we're talking listed at this stage. Um, so, Aussie listed companies, you've got uh, Virtus Health, the ASX ticker is VRT. I'm hoping I pronounced that right.
3: VRT, Um, yeah. You got VRT right.
2: (laughs) VRT, thank you. Um, They're the world's first IVF provider to go public. Um, They're the largest IVF provider here in Australia with 43 fertility clinics. Australia has 36 of those. They have one over in the UK, three in Ireland, one in Singapore, and uh, a couple in Denmark, which uh, you'd expect they might have a few more given uh, the numbers over there.
3: Well- Maybe in the future.
2: Maybe in the future, yeah. <laughs> um, the second one, ran is Monash IVF Group, ASX ticker MVF. They've got 27 clinics and uh, three service centers, Australia, Malaysia, and they also have plans for more Southeast Asian expansion.
3: Yeah, so if we pause there, they're the two, I guess, like pure play IVF or fertility clinics um, stocks. Um, there's one more, so... Helios, uh ASX ticket, HLS. Um do you remember primary healthcare? Yeah, yeah. Well that's now called Helix. I knew that. Helios. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't uh, know
2: why they did that, but
3: I think they sold off a business.
2: That was their primary healthcare business. <laughs>
3: yeah, maybe like a hospital I think probably yeah, like a hospital business or something. Right. Uh that's me speculating, but I'm pretty confident they sold off a business because after they rebranded they sold off a business called Helios Primary yeah yeah okay so helios if you read like a motley fool three ivf stocks um which is an article that i did read um (laughs) they they will mention uh the three that we've touched on uh monash helios Um, but with helios you have to be careful because i went into its uh, most recent set of results here's the breakdown of its revenue by business sector 700 million dollars from pathology $200 $200 million from imaging, $40 million from day hospitals and IVF.
2: Yeah, so uh, if you're looking for a pure play IVF, um, Helios is not the one.
3: Well, yeah, the IVF industry could f- triple.
2: And it's still not its
3: largest. But if Helios' pathology business goes poorly, like that's what's going to drive the results. Yeah. So you just have to be really careful when you're reading um, some of those articles about out there about like these stocks will give you exposure to... This industry because there's a lot of companies that will have exposure to certain industries, but it won't be a meaningful part of their overall company, and so it's not them going to drive the stock price. Yeah. So, um, here, but Helios, just to round it out, has four IVF clinics in Australia. So, it, if you look at those numbers, Virtus has 43, sorry, 43 globally, 36 in Australia, Monash IVF has. 27 the majority of which are in australia helios has four in australia And then there's a number of independents, but it's not a massive industry and it's pretty heavily fragmented.
2: Yeah. So uh, there is another way to play the industry, and that is to invest in the suppliers. Um, So we've got an Aussie-listed supplier called uh, Memphis. Its ASX ticker is MEM. It uh, created a device called Felix and it sorts sperm by quality and size. Um, So that is one way that you could could play this if you wanted to rather than go direct to the actual ivf um centers uh you can play the supplier side
3: and then in terms of other suppliers there, there's like device uh makers and those health uh more general health company suppliers enlisted in australia like the fisher and Paykel's, or are they listed on new zealand or australia Do your own research. Should do that, yeah. Um, But again, it's like what's the percentage of their business that's exposed to this industry um, compared to just more general health supplies, um, hospitals, stuff like that. So, um, Bryce is just looking it up.
2: It's definitely uh, New Zealand and, yeah, dual listed.
3: There you go, dual listed. So, that's Australia. There's not a lot of listed companies in Australia Um, But what you'll actually find is there's not a lot of low-listed companies globally in this sector. Um, In fact, I was trying to look for fertility clinics that were listed overseas. I couldn't find anything. And I think that's probably a deficiency of my own research more than the fact that none exist. But uh, the closest I could find was the massive pharmaceutical company Merck, uh, New York Stock Exchange, ticker MRK, is investing heavily in fertility treatment centres. But again, I've said it before and I will say it again, as a percentage of their business, how much is that?
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, to continue on the global side, Ren, uh, there are a number of suppliers. So um, there's one called Prog... Prog- I'm, I'm
3: going gonna, I'm gonna to let <laughs> Pro- you do all of these Pro- and we'll Gynie. see how
2: Bryce pronounces it. All right, it. and I'm just going to do a one hit one, one. One hit, one take. All right, so Pro-Gynie, uh the NASDAQ ticker <laughs> is PGNY. Uh, it's an insurance play in the space. Um, Vitro Life, it's uh, listed in... Sweden, I think. Sweden? Stockholm, St- yeah, Stockholm. The ticker is VITR. Um, it's a supplier of key equipment into the industry. Cooper Companies, NASDAQ, uh, COO. New York Stock Exchange. Sorry, New York Stock Exchange, COO. It's a, an equipment supplier... As well, uh, Natira on the NASDAQ, NTRA is involved in genetic testing along with Invite uh, Invitae in New York Stock Exchange, NVTA, <laughs> uh, Invo Bioscience on the NASDAQ, INVO treatments for patients with uh, infertility. And then um, there's Aeterna Zentaris. Uh, its ticket is A E Z S and it's listed on the.
3: I think that's Canada.
2: Canada? TSE? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it's involved in treatments for women's health amongst a portfolio of. Uh, Pharmaceuticals,
3: yeah. TSA, Toronto, Toronto
2: stock that, that
3: last company, uh, A E Z S. Um, it's actually got you know when the uh, the A and the E is like joined, yeah, joined together. Yeah, I don't even know what that's called, but that they've got that in their name. Okay, like how do you pronounce that?
2: Yeah, Eterna. Eterna.
3: No, like the A and the E together.
2: Yeah.
3: Eterna. Anyway. <laughs> anyway.
2: As um, long story short, there's not a lot of opportunity to invest in. Publicly listed companies directly in the space.
3: Yeah, yeah, Uh, and because a lot of the companies that you just listed there globally, IVF is part of like a conglomerate approach. So, I think if you if you're looking at pure play IVF, you're probably looking in Australia. Yep. But again, is the right healthcare play to look at pure play IVF or just more generally on? uh, Are a lot of the factors that we spoke about above? applicable for more of the industry you know like increasing healthcare uh, care coverage and insurance and like all that stuff so yeah yeah like medical breakthroughs like th- those are themes that if we did an industry deep dive on like cancer treatment yeah a lot of those things would still play yeah um so they're they're probably the two key ways to invest in the market you can look at Pure play, IVF plays. There are a few. Um, you can look at more like conglomerate approaches that have IVF exposure. Um, if we talk about investing in the industry rather than specific companies, given the fact that there's not a lot of listed companies, there's not any ETFs that we could find that are like a pure play fertility or IVF ETF. Maybe as the industry matures a little bit, um, that might come into play, but it, it feels like it's too early really in terms of the scale of listed companies that you need to build an ETF around it. So you're probably looking at investing in individual companies. One other way that you could look at investing in it is looking at the private equity players' that are investing in the industry. Um, some private equity companies are privately listed. Did I say privately listed? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some private equity is publicly listed, but again, portfolio approach like KKR, I'm pretty sure is listed, but if they were investing in IVF, it would be one tiny sliver of yeah. a massive business. Yeah. So it feels like a pretty unsatisfactory way to talk about investing in the industry. But, but yeah, I, I think- if you look at the share prices of a lot of these companies, you'll see that uh, part, I don't want to like say it is or it isn't a good investment. Obviously, we're not allowed to say it is or it isn't a good investment. But the share prices of a lot of these companies tell the story. And the story is that they have not had incredible returns since they listed. They're doing incredible things for couples that don't want to have kids, but that doesn't make a good investment. Yeah.
2: Well, um, Ren, that does bring us to the end of our industry deep dive. If you would like us to have a crack at a particular industry, feel free to hit us up at uh, contact at at equitymates.com. We're on all the socials as well. We have a huge list of industries to get through, so happy to add yours to that, and we will slowly make our way through it over the next decade of podcasting (laughs) (laughs) but also a reminder that equity mates everything we do here is free we do have five shows and uh one way that you can really help us out is by leaving a review and, uh, and a rating on the podcast app that you're using if it's possible. Uh, we would certainly appreciate five stars. If it's anything less, just take it up with us directly. Uh, we do try and respond to all feedback and appreciate it in uh, in all the ways that you send it. So please keep the feedback coming. Um, we love giving a shout-out to those that do leave a review and this one came from Lofty Big Chopper. He says that he's glad we have finally gone podcasting full-time. Hopefully it means that we'll be still sticking around for a while. He loves the banter and all the advice on which stocks to pick, although he's only kidding because we know it is general in nature.
3: To be clear, he wrote that in the review. That wasn't Bryce adding (laughs) that at the end.
2: Yes, yes. But uh, thank you. Love to Big Chopper. Leave us a review. It certainly does help. Um, Don't forget to check out our other shows, Comedian v Economist, Uh, Meet, Pay, Love, You're in Good Company and Get Started Investing. Plenty going on here at Equity Mates Media. We're having a great time and again, any feedback is always welcome. So, and we'll leave it there. Yes. Don't forget the live show down in Melbourne. We've also got some a continuation of live shows. The industry access, all access industry deep dives with Steak here in Sydney. Too much to talk about. So keep your eyes on our socials and emails, and we'll keep you updated.
3: Nice one
4: equity mates investing podcast is a product of equity mates media all information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only it is not intended as a substitute for professional finance legal or tax advice the hosts of equity mates investing podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances before making any financial decisions you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary consult a licensed financial professional do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community.